0: We all need to laugh.
1: We choose truth over facts.
0: And now for a perpetual political protest in progress.
1: Judge my physical mental film, my physical as well as my mental film,
0: fitness. Coffee time
1: what, if you elect like me, I'm not gonna have your taxes are gonna be raised, not
0: cut. What wait wait a second, what was that?
1: Guess what, if you elect me, I'm not gonna have you, your taxes are gonna be raised, not cut.
0: Well was that a gaffe here, let's hear it one more time.
1: Guess what, if you elect like me, I'm not gonna have you, your taxes are gonna be raised, not cut.
0: Wow. So welcome to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. I'm Jason Floyd, your host, and uh, this week we have Dave Cuddy with us, and I want to welcome you to the cafe, Dave. It's good to see you and uh, meet you finally. I've heard your name almost my whole life growing up, but I've never met you face-to-face until just this last week. Uh, Thanks, Jason. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. So uh, I asked Dave to to show up uh, here because he's he's kind of a political actor, uh, and uh, I don't mean that in a negative way or uh, a disparaging remark. But he's one of those folks that stays up to speed with stuff. He's uh, he's paying attention, and I have been just astounded, surprised, and dismayed throughout this election season at the number of people that. I hold in high esteem that I, that I think are, you know, pretty bright, intelligent, nice, neighborly folks who have no clue what's going on. They'll ask me questions like, uh, who's our congressman? Uh, who's running for Senate again? And then they'll throw out a name of one of the people running for local office.
1: Jason, that's well, it's, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I know so many good-hearted people who, they, they just, they don't understand. If they understood what the Biden Democrats are doing to this country, the, the East Coast, the California, those people, even the Democrats wouldn't support it. There were a lot of good-hearted, patriotic Democrats out there. If they really
0: understood what their party is standing for, they, they wouldn't support this junk. Well, you, you got to pay attention, folks. You got you to just step back from the Netflix for half a second and look around you. Oh, shoot. I don't know how many of you have noticed the price of fuel, but did you know that in an economy like ours, when the fuel prices do what they do, that doesn't happen in a vacuum? If you come in and you order a mocha from us here at the coffee shop you and you haven't been in in a while, you're going to get some sticker shock. That's because everything, I said everything, in this economy is increasing. But the problem is is that production is not increasing. And so we have something that's called inflation. We have uh, prices that are, are raising out of control. Meanwhile, our gross domestic product, That so for those of you who don't know what the gross domestic product is, um, the GDP as it's called, uh, it, it's not that complex. You basically look at a, a basket of goods uh, that are produced in the United States, and you measure GDP by the growth of the economy and, and the successful uh, availability and affordability of that basket of goods. And we are in a session, uh, 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 we're in a, a period of time right now where, once again, and we've addressed this on our show in the past, the Orwellian politicians in D.C. have decided that we are too stupid to realize what they're doing, and they have redefined the word recession.
1: Well, they yeah. redefined lots of words.
0: Right, right, and and we talked about this with uh with a vaccine, vaccine. Remember when yeah. you used to get a vaccine? It it generally meant you didn't have to worry about I don't know smallpox anymore or. Polio anymore? Uh, name your favorite vaccine. This yeah. is,
1: this isn't a vaccine. This right. is emergency use, and and they're making these eighteen year old privates in the army take a shot that they shouldn't be doing. Right, they shouldn't be doing, and it's not. It's it's a trial. It's a practice. It's a emergency use. It's 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 not. It's not undergone the correct testing, and it and it is not safe or effective. So you
0: just if you have a minute and you're near your computer. Go to Google and search Google first and look for the definition of recession. This is just a a daily challenge for you. Just check out the definition of recession on Google. Shoot, go to Wikipedia and look at the definition for recession. And let me tell you what the actual traditional definition of recession is. It's where... There's a second quarter in a row, so quarters are three months at a time, right? We've got 12 months in the year, so that's divided by four. We have quarters. This is basic stuff. But for a second quarter in a row that the economy shrinks, that is the classical definition of recession, very simplistically. I mean, we could get a lot more uh, economically geeky, but, but just to boil it down to the simplest terms, if the economy shrinks for two quarters in a row, we talked about that basket of goods, GDP, we are entering into what becomes known as a recession. Now, if you listen to Joe Biden and his administration and you ask them what a recession is, all of the most elite minds in the left are scrambling around saying, oh, no, 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 that's uh, so blasé, that's all so old school. It no longer applies in this age of enlightenment because it, uh, this isn't a recession. We're actually experiencing one of the healthiest economies that we've, we've uh, seen in, in recent years. That's like using the new uh, monetary, modern monetary uh, policy
1: definition. Well, you can print money and spend money all, all the time you want. It won't, won't matter. It does matter.
0: Does anybody remember something in history called the Weimar Republic?
1: What what happened with Rome? I mean, they used to scrape gold off the coins. That's 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 inflation. The value of the coins went down. Right. And, and, and right now, the the politicians are saying, "Gosh, we can we can solve the inflation problem by simply raising the um, the, the Fed's uh, interest rate." Um, no, you can't. That yes, that will. Temporarily depress prices because you're you're depressing the economy, but you you you're, you're just printing money. That's that's the cause of inflation.
0: Well, and here's the thing: it's, it's you know, it's my strong contention that our our government is at war with us. Yes, it is at war with the people, and we're in a fight to the death over who uh, will prevail at the end of the day. Will we uh, become subjects of a tyrannical uh, ever? oppressive over uh, arching overwatching, overreaching uh, Big brother as we've heard the term and uh, where we will just be content to be medicated and sitting in our uh, room with four walls that are computer screens or TVs that talk to us and and can see everything that we're doing uh, for those of you who have not read uh, American literature I encourage you to, Go research that reference. I'm not going to give you the title of the book. If you don't know it, then uh, you need to step away from the 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 boob tube and uh, check out your local library. But um, or I guess that's old school too, going to the library. I mean, you could get it on on uh, Amazon or Google Books or your Kindle. You know, read it on your iPad, whatever. But um, are we going to settle for that type of reality? Or are we going to seize the uh, reins of control back from the politicians and the bureaucrats, the Fauciites, those folks out there who... Uh, Are only bent on enriching themselves at the expense of the rest of us. I don't know if you heard, and there's, you know, you'll, if you talk about this on the social media platforms and say anything about armed IRS agents, you'll be uh, immediately shut down. The fact checkers in Bangladesh will tell you uh, you don't know what you're talking about. For those of you who missed that podcast episode, yes, that's where a lot of the fact checkers for Facebook are from, is Bangladesh. Uh, But, uh, the Bangladeshi fact-checkers will say, oh, no, 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 the, the IRS is not arming its agents. Well, the reality is, is they are, and they've bought a whole bunch of ammo. I mean, the, the amount of 9 millimeter rounds they bought is, is just staggering. Um, Biden just signed into law a budget that gives the IRS $80 billion with a B, billion with ab 1000000000 dollars to hire eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents. Oh, but don't worry, don't worry, because because under his economic stimulus package that they're uh, calling the, uh, let me see if I got it right here, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the opposite because right. you are printing trillions of dollars. That that's the cause of the inflation. So, under the Inflation Reduction Act, which they say really addresses healthcare, energy, and climate, um, they've got 750 billion dollars of spending that are earmarked. 80 billion of which is going to the IRS to hire 87,000 agents. But don't worry because they only want to raise taxes on corporations that make over a billion dollars a year. So, you know, if you're sitting back in your uh, den right now thinking, Well, you know, I I, I don't have a problem with that. You know, Google and Apple and Amazon and, you know, these organizations, you know, they they charge me a lot of money. So I don't mind some of that going back to the federal government. Well, the reality is, is that according to the Joint Committee on Taxation, which is a nonpartisan organization, there is, they're expecting that 78 to 90% of the added expected $200 billion in revenue they're, they're expecting to raise with these, these IRS agents is likely to come from small businesses earning less than $200,000 a year. So you're spending $80 billion to collect $200 billion. And as
1: they say, corporations don't pay tax. They pass the cost on as their cost of doing business. Uh, but the the big thing to look at is the 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 joke is uh, don't tax me, don't tax you, tax the guy behind the tree. Well, you know you got to be concerned about is that fair? Is, is how's the money being spent? And um, if they're raising taxes to simply misspend more trillions of dollars like Biden does, then we should care about the increasing in taxes. To, no matter whether it's to yourself or to somebody else. Uh, if it's being misspent, care about it.
0: Right. In addition to these numbers, uh, economists believe that this, uh, this is going to cost business owners collectively over $300 billion in new uh, operating expenses above and beyond what they're already doing, trying to struggle in a post-COVID economy. That has just been gutted, uh, just to comply with and pay all the penalties and and uh, do everything that's necessary to keep up with all the new red tape that's going to come about because of these eighty-seven thousand IRS agents. And what built America? It
1: was a culture of uh, strong families, limited government, work ethic, personal responsibility. You go down each one of these things, one by one. The Biden administration is trying to destroy each one of them. The things that built America, and including being efficient with—I uh, mean, capitalism is is the most efficient type of of, uh, of um, economic uh, model there is in the in the world. And and all of this that's built America, the Biden administration is trying to destroy.
0: Well, and and. Th- To that point, we can look uh, at Minneapolis and see what they're doing there with the teachers union. Uh, They're not only trying to gut small business and destroy small business, and, and really they're using rhetoric that is all about entitlement. You're owed this because the evil business uh, empires out there, the ammo can coffees of the world, are just rolling in dough that rightfully belongs to you, and they're just bilking you at the uh, at the checkout when you buy that seven dollar mocha. You know that uh, that uh, you're entitled to that mocha for pennies on the dollar, and we can remember Grandpa paying a nickel, you know, for his coffee. Well, there's a reason why Grandpa paid a nickel for his coffee, is because when Grandpa was a kid, we didn't have the regulation, the overreaching uh, arm of the federal and state uh, taxing authorities reaching into every single aspect of our lives. And if you think it can't get any worse than this, folks, wake up. I have a good friend of mine, Rob. Now, Rob is a is a native uh, born Irishman. You know, he's like he's like the largest, uh, and he'll chuckle when he hears this, the largest leprechaun I know, um, and. Rob grew up in Ireland under the Irish socialist system, and they're a socialist uh, economy in Ireland. He left, and in his uh, first week of employment, just working a simple dirt job in California, he made more in that week than he could make in several months in Ireland doing the same thing. His mind was blown. He told me in Ireland, they actually tax the number of TVs you have in your house. Oh, see, now I caught some people's attention, all those Netflix Netflix uh, zombies out there. Did you realize that if you have more than one screen in your house in Ireland, that you have to pay for the convenience of having more than one? The, nay, nay Not just the convenience, but yet the luxury that you're not entitled to that level of comfort because somewhere in a shack out in the... Uh, potato voided fields of uh, the, the Emerald Isle there is some poor soul who does not have uh, as many screens as you and so the federal or the, the, the socialist government rather there in, in Ireland is protecting uh, Seamus in his shack from your prosperity. It's coming to our shores. It's already here, and we're in the midst of uh, a Bolshevik revolution. It's bloodless now, but... Um, They're taking us without firing a shot. They've taken
1: the, the White House, the globalists, the one, one world government, and people say it's socialism. Actually, it's moving towards communism. If you compare the Biden action plan with Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, Uh, It's just about identical with what Biden's trying to do.
0: So that's the reason why I asked uh, Dave to come on, folks, because because Dave is a is a is a neighbor and now a new friend. And um, like I said, I've heard his name for many years growing up in this community, but never had the opportunity to personally meet him, uh, at least in a meaningful way up until this week. And uh, I heard Dave talk a little bit about uh, his past, um, uh, sort of his history here in Alaska. But I want to kind of pull back the yoke, so to speak, on the political speak here for a minute and just say, who is Dave Cuddy? Because that's part of what we do on the Conservative Hour of Power is we say, you know, that conservatism, while the fake news and the bureaucrats would like to pigeonhole us in this very narrow definition of extremists. Um, positions is a much broader idea and takes on many forms and faces. And so, Dave, to you, tell us a little bit about, I guess, where you, your roots and, and how you've arrived at this place in your life as a conservative and what conservatism means to you.
1: Um, well, I have pretty deep roots here. My grandmother was the school mom in Valdez 110 years ago. And uh, she married uh, my grandfather, who was the d- uh, district attorney there. Uh, my dad went to Anchorage High School. I went to West Anchorage and Duke and uh, economics degree, MBA, Gonzaga. And uh, was elected and served in the state legislature. I ran the, uh, our family business, the First National Bank, Alaska. Uh, spent 30 years doing that. Um, been a professional musician. Uh, chaired almost every kind of nonprofit you can think of, Red Cross, United Way, Junior Achievement, um, just all kinds of that that kind of stuff. Um, I've been a dot-com CFO in Boston. Um, I'm um, presently a real estate developer in Austin, Texas. And, uh, a, a real slouch. <laughs> yeah. So I'm <laughs> 70 years old, and I'm still working full-time, and I've got to figure out how to not keep doing that. Um, been a movie producer uh, produced a bunch of Christian movies that uh, were on pure for uh, distribution um, uh, that's kind of what my background is and the, the way I got to this um, having run for the uh, in the state legislature I didn't run for re-election because I could see it didn't really make any difference the Republicans were almost as bad as the Democrats.
0: Um, I would argue they're they're as morally bankrupt today as the Democrats, just, just given recent events and what they have and haven't done in the last couple of years.
1: We had uh, two uh, libertarians, Dick Randolph and Ken Fanning, and they were the most, um, uh, they were um, really great guys, and they voted their conscience, and they pulled me in, and so we were kind of a little a phone booth uh, group of three that would, uh, whenever they had these big spending bills, there'd be 37 green lights, yes, and then Randolph, Cuddy, and Fanning voting no on all the uh, expanded, expansion of government control and spending and all of that kind of stuff. And that, that kind of um, got me started, and I remember halfway through the season, they handed me the book uh, Atlas Shrugged, and uh, <laughs> I just kept thinking, this book is... Um, it's what's happening here. This book was written in 1950, and yet uh, uh, Ayn A- Rand saw all this stuff coming. It's like uh, prophetic. Oh, yeah. I-, I watched the movie again uh, just last week. I mean, it's just amazing how what is happening today she foresaw, what's that, 70 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my awakening took place during that service in the, the state legislature. I ran against Ted Stevens twice. And lost both times. Um, j- just the the people who were who wanted other people's money, they wanted to control everybody's lives, voted for Ted. And um, uh, so I kind of did what I could. And after that race was done, I didn't give up. I'm still working on conservative campaigns and giving money and time, but um, I'm not running. Uh, I uh, it's it's just the the culture, the voter the vo- profile of who the voter is has changed so much that it's it's hard for a patriot to get elected in today's climate.
0: Well, if you're if you if you label yourself a patriot, I'm sure you're on a list. I'm sure. You know, um and we we jokingly refer to the black van outside, but you told me the other day the that- I think the black van's yours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so uh, we. J- Jason's <laughs>
1: watching this black van that's parked out there while I'm in here, and, and said, "Oh, they're watching him." <laughs> I said, the,
0: "The black van is back." <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, you know, in all seriousness, uh, we live in troubling times, and you know, there's an old Chinese curse that said, "May you may you live in interesting times." And I'll tell you what: uh, if you watch the news every day, there's something new and interesting happening. I mean, we just watched the FBI. Uh, go in and raid a former president's uh, residence, uh, take documents that were not included in their warrant, uh, which is against the law, um, but they were polite and gave them back once public scrutiny got uh, tough. Um, People like uh, Anthony Fauci, you know, I mean... We, we could get down in the mouth and upset about a lot of things, but I heard that he is, he's retiring. Are we gonna, Should we run the odds, the numbers? Should we lay a, a side bet on how long he actually remains a resident of the United States?
1: Well, but if Biden stays in control, they're never going to cite him for all the criminal actions that he's done. I mean, think of the, of the hundreds of thousands of lives that uh, were lost because of his medical protocol that has no science behind it.
0: Oh, there's a lot of science behind it, actually. But it's not like the science you would think. It's actually the science of uh, ledgers. How much money is on one side of a ledger? How much is on the other? And how much is going to his Swiss bank account? That's my opinion. This is an opinion show, folks. If you don't like it, then you should probably change the channel, find another podcast. But if you're tuning in, it's likely that you are like-minded. So, Dave, is there hope? Is there hope for us? I don't know. I, I put it about 50-50. If,
1: I think the consensus is, what's happening, Biden is trying to change the culture of America. The The Karl Marx plan is that you destroy the currency, you destroy the economy, you destroy the family, you destroy the church, um, and you make everybody dependent upon government, and then they will vote for the the more, more power to government because they are the ones who now divvy out the goodies. Um, and he's... Made a lot of progress in that area in the last two years. The consensus is that if he's already converted enough people to where he can keep the, the keep Congress and and have two more years to continue that down this road, we're cooked. And um, America is the last stalwart against one world government, globalists, communism, all of this kind of stuff, which is. What, and we've got to call it what it is. It's communism. It's not just socialism. It's communism. It's power. It's control. It's uh, um, redistribution of wealth from the productive to the nonproductive to increase those numbers. Um, so is there hope? Well, the only way there's hope is, uh, Jason, you've got 1,500 people who listen to this podcast. If each one of you go out and find five people who are rhinos or Democrats and let them know this isn't the time to fight with us. We're all pulling the wagon in the same way. We've got to fight the Biden East Coast Democrats. We can go back to fighting the, the Democrats uh, in future years, but right now Democrats, Republicans, all Americans are in this battle together to to hold America together that, that our forefathers gave to us. And so that's that's the charge that I would give to everybody listening to this is we we've got to we've got to find five of our friends and neighbors and make sure they understand what 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 happens when you when when Biden goes out there and says the constitution is a living document we need to change it uh, we need to eliminate the bill of rights there shouldn't be freedom of speech we should be able to censor we should be able, able to have government uh Tell us what to think. Education should
0: be in the hands of bureaucrats, politicians. Confiscate our guns. Uh, uh, Limit our limit our limit our access to ammunition and and uh, magazines and all things in between.
1: All of these things. I mean, there are there are twenty things you know we could talk about. That when when you talk about and you think, oh, well, I'm not for for that. Okay, then why don't you stand up with us, lock arms? and help us fight Biden. And the way you do that is you get your friends and neighbors to to understand and see. The Revolutionary War was, was fought with only 3% of Americans really were actively engaged in that. We don't need even 50%. We just need to have five or 10% of the patriots here in Alaska to step up and start grabbing their friends and neighbors and getting involved in political campaigns and putting the proper yard signs up and educating each other because there's a lot a lot of people jason talked about this earlier there's a lot of people who just don't pay attention they're good people they're honest people but they're going to vote for biden because they just don't don't pay any attention we got to shake them by the collar and get them to
0: pay attention well now i'm going to give an example here and i'm going to make a couple of statements and we may 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 lose some l- listeners over this but Probably not. We'll probably gain more listeners once I make this sta- statement because it's true. And whether you like it or not, uh, each of us has a role to play in it. But I was so disheartened to see the, the outcome of the uh, primary election this last week, to see that Christopher Kirk, a righteous, upstanding conservative man, one of only two people in the legislature that has 100% CPAC rating for conservatism, received, I think it was 6,000 votes, just around 6,000 votes. Now, they're still going to be counting absentee ballots and things, and so that's not the final count. But but, uh, he was beat out by Charlie Pierce. Charlie Pierce had a dismal turnout for him as well. And we look at Dunleavy, and the numbers that Dunleavy had in support of him make him look like one of the most popular governors in this state's history. Now, is that because so many people are just that deceived, that uh, unaware, uninformed, disengaged? Or is there something darker, more nefarious happening behind the scenes with the Dominion machines or with this new ranked choice voting system that nobody can audit effectively in a timely way that would change the outcome of of uh, a certified election. As we see, you know, even when there's ample evidence of corruption, once an election is certified, that's a a very hard uh, thing to, to overturn or decertify. And I don't think we'll see that in the presidential side. But here in Alaska, we've seen a very disturbing thing happen. And and if you don't remember, we'll just walk down memory lane for a minute, minute and talk about Mr. Dunleavy. Mr. Dunleavy hired the infamous uh, Ann Zink, a uh, a female Fauciite, if we can call her a female. I don't know if uh, what pronouns she's using these days, but, um, and left her in office, and willingly propagated the lie that the CDC and the NIH uh, were propagating about these new experimental vaccines being the only option for people completely abandoning the idea of early intervention and treatment and only responding once people were so sick that it was likely they were going to end up on a ventilator or die unless they had iron, you know, strong immune systems and could pull out of their, their infection just naturally. So, so Dunleavy made that higher and he had immense pressure to have Miss Zink uh, step down. And if you'll remember Miss Zink, when she told us all we couldn't have Thanksgiving with grandma in that first year of the pandemic, uh, but she somehow finagled a way to send her entire family in a camper van excursion through Canada down the West Coast, rock climbing and surfing and having a grand time on public beaches that would normally be full of people, but now we're only reserved for the elite in the medical industrial complex who now control all the shots. That was Dunleavy's pick. And then we'll, we'll talk about Dunleavy and his health mandate uh, edicts one after another, after another, after another, up to health mandate six folks 16 and that wasn't the last one he issued but health mandate 16 which threatened small businesses like ours with fines and imprisonment if we didn't follow a new OSHA addendum that was 33 pages long and that for every violation of that 33 pages of new regulation uh, we could be fined. I believe it was up to it was like $2,000 per occurrence And then you'll remember, or maybe you don't, uh, where he also said that small businesses who were not deemed to be essential, you know, um, this means the churches and the the coffee shops and the, you know, the mom and pop stores, uh, could not freely travel in this state without first completing an online form through the Department of Health, uh, basically travel papers that you must that anybody traveling had to keep on them so that if they were pulled over by the state troopers, they would have their papers to present. This is, a, this is the same governor that did all of these things. And most recently, the same governor who, who uh, chose his running mate, And I'm forgetting her last name now. Uh, She was uh, uh, the director of corrections or uh, commissioner of the Department of Corrections. But uh, during COVID, she would not allow unvaccinated inmates access to counsel or visitation with their family members.
1: I'll give you one more, Jason. The the Alaska Medical Board was looking at suspending the license of a, um, a doctor in Eagle River who had treated, eight hundred of her patients for COVID. Is this Doctor Farr? I forget what her name is. Okay, but she has, she had eight hundred wins. She didn't lose one patient. She she used uh, early treatment. Um, Obviously, an agent for evil. And and the and the, the state medical board was looking at pulling her license when their win-loss record is certainly a lot worse. And uh,
0: we need Dunleavy to replace that medical board with people. And and he has the power to do that. Yeah. And at any time. He he can, he can, he can, I was on a board for two terms. My dad was on the state ag board. He got, he got, uh, he got put on there by uh, Dunleavy's predecessor, Walker. Um, And uh, he was not a Walkerite at all. My dad's pretty, one of the most conservative folks around. And Dunleavy kicked him off immediately without really, you know, thank you for your service all two weeks of it or whatever it was. The only thing that kept that that woman
1: doctor in Eagle River in was a lot of her patients and a lot of the people. The people wrote in and said, get rid of the medical board. Don't get rid of this doctor who's
0: successful. Well, this is the same governor, by the way, everybody, that um, when Roe v. Wade was overturned. He has the constitutional authority to call a special session. Now, this is a man who has claimed to be pro-life throughout his uh, political career. He even uh, got an endorsement from the Right to Life, and I published uh, for the Kirk campaign uh, his original pledges and questionnaires he filled out, talking about how pro-life he is. Yet today we still don't have a special session with the directive language from the governor's office to write uh, pass law that protects the unborn. Now this is the part that's going to get uncomfortable for folks. If you have the time, or the interest, or even want to find the cliff notes on this, the original Roe v. Wade decision specifically cited Alaska law as precedent, as, as a, a guiding example of why Roe v. Wade should be established in the first place. Alaskans do a lot of things wrong, and they do a lot of things right, and we lead the nation in a lot of unpleasant statistics. Well, we have been killing our babies in grand style for over 50 years now, so much so that we were cited as a shining example for the left of why roe v wade should exist and i just talked with jim Menery uh yesterday with the alaska family council and he believes the answer is incrementalism that we just need to work harder to pass little tiny laws that incrementally move us towards protecting children and i challenged him yesterday it got pretty heated uh in our conversation because i told him i said jim 50 years of incrementalism has not resulted in anything new. We still can kill our children in the womb up to the day of birth. Nine months. Nine months, people. Whose fault is that? I took Jim uh, fishing
1: at our Kenai fishing place a few years ago. Jim's a good man. Let, let me make this suggestion. And, and when I ran, I was always uh, endorsed by the right to life. Um, and... Um, I'm not a big fan of Dunleavy, but I think that, it, um, do you know Glenn Beagle? I've heard the name. Glenn Beagle was on the Right to Life board for lots of years. It's his big issue. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And um, he had an epiphany. He said, you know, Right to Life is still my big issue, but I understand that I, I'm, in the big picture, I'm not going to change the scope if we can't change who is running our government. And like Biden, we got to get rid of Biden and the, 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 the East Coast and California hard liberal folks. Um, and so Glenn Beagle's advice was, I'm, I'm never going to give up on the right to life issue, but I've got to focus on getting our people elected and into position where they can help us get this issue going. And that doesn't mean focusing the number one issue politically on right to life. I've got to, I've got to, uh, we've we've got to get the Biden, Biden people out of there and, and, uh, and the, the the pro-choice people out on other issues. And
0: so. uh, Well, and the challenge I'm throwing down today in that regard is that, a lot of the same people who are asking me who's their congressman or woman, who is their senator, who confuse local elections with national elections, they're people that vote. And, and, they're, and, and it's very convenient to look at the politicians when things don't happen the right way and blame the politician. It's very easy to look at the right to life organization, the state, the Alaska state right to life organization, and say, "Well, you guys are too extreme because you want to define a life at conception, and and make that your focus." Or it's easy to point fingers at people like Jim Menery and the Alaska Family Council and say, "Well, you guys are failing because you're taking this uh, incrementalist approach and you keep failing." And uh, the only thing that you can really point to. In recent memory, is is this uh, this uh, uh, parents' uh, right to uh, be informed uh, before their child has decides to elect for an abortion, and um, and then only to have the courts overturn, you know, uh, your work. And people can look at all these entities, all these agencies, all these uh, elected folks and point the finger and be frustrated and say, well, you know, I did my bit. But until we start putting men and women of integrity and principle who understand the foundations of this nation and understand uh, what a free society looks like in positions of power who are willing to take the steps that you took to not only run for office, serve in office, but step down from office and not make it their new career but, and but, and go but, ahead
1: but jason it, it it's 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 hard to get the the men and women of principle to get elected and even if you can get them elected they're always in the minority what we have to do is change the hearts and minds of the voter the the, the people out in the street and, and that's what we've got. To, that's why we've got to talk to our friends and neighbors, and get them to understand that our country is under attack, and and that's what we've got to do. And that's what Biden is so successful in doing. He's changing the culture of who is an American. What are they? How do they think? And that then then how do they vote? And politicians tend to be followers. They'll they'll run around and try to lead the parade. We've got to make sure the parade's going our direction, and we can get the politicians to step in front. But we've got to get the, the folks, the voters, the, the people, the, the masses out there to understand that our country is under attack.
0: Well, and, and to that point, uh, we can look at the party system right now. And looking at the Republican Party, even here locally, Christopher Kirka may not have been the best candidate, but he was definitely a conservative candidate. Whether or not you thought he had a chance you know those of you out there listening to to actually achieve the office of governor and do the the really ambitious fulfill the really ambitious plans he had for that position no one can say honestly looking at his record and his background that he was not conservative and not a republican yet the local district when asked by his campaign and he interviewed directly and accommodated their, their extra requirements of him. They didn't require everybody to uh, provide them with a written resume, uh, which he did after they asked him for it. Um, they refused to give him their endorsement. Now, that vote only failed by one, that endorsement vote. But then at the state level, the state party held an executive meeting of the central committee. And then they came together in the, in the larger group of the central committee and they withheld an endorsement of him there as well. One of two legislators with a hundred percent CPAC rating and a lifelong Republican and former right to life, uh, executive director, board member, PAC member. Um, so that's, that's the Republican party folks in Alaska. And, if we want people of principle to run and represent us we're going to have to hold the machine accountable and that means we have to be part of the machine we have to be a cog in the machine because if you aren't actively putting your hands on the steering wheel somebody else is driving and the people who are driving right now have completely lost their way if you think about this this ranked choice voting system right Charlie Pierce is out there saying rank red, rank red, rank red. Well, what just effectively happened last week was they removed one of the reddest people in the state from the ballot because the party would not get behind him and give him the R recognition, the endorsement. And uh, it came down to personalities and uh, personal issues with people and not the actual issue of is he a conservative candidate and would he be one of those great four names to put on the ballot so in this year of confusion I've already had people tell me how they filled out their ballots and many of them did it in ways that their ballots got kicked out because they, they, didn't, they didn't use the ballot appropriately and so um, what are tangible ways Dave that you would recommend folks get involved. I say get involved in the party, but that's distasteful to a lot of people. Uh, you, you talk about changing the rules, um, uh, and that's
1: what this ranked choice is, because uh, Lisa wouldn't have a chance running in, in, in the Republican Party. And, and that's what's so difficult, is that the bad guys are in control. Even if, even if the majority is with us, they can r- rig the system. Uh, in 1996, I was leading Ted Stevens um, 60 days before the primary, and so they changed the rules to open the primary because there was no Democrat in the race. So all the Democrats crossed over and voted, and and he beat me in the primary because of that crossover vote. And then the Supreme Court, after that, ruled that as an unconstitutional change, and it was it was called the Ted Stevens reelect motion that that took place we've got to get the masses with us, but we've also got to make sure that we can control, have some say and control in in the mechanism of how the voting goes. Um, I spent a year and a half and a million dollars running as a as a conservative and it was taken away from me in those final 60 days because they just changed the rules of the... Uh, and and if they can come in and at the last minute and change the rules to get their guy in... Oh, I don't know what you do.
0: And that that's his, in essence kind of what happened to Joe Miller. Exactly. When, and I was his treasurer. <laughs> so you're intimately, you have way more information than I do at this point. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when, with the writing campaign of Lisa Murkowski, they changed the rules. I know. Uh, that's my point. Whether you're talking
1: about the rules with Joe Miller, whether you're talking about rank choice, whether you're talking about the 1996 opening the primary just for that one race to get their man Ted in. Uh, c- Cause obviously I would have been won the general, there was no Democrat. Um, so, but they had to keep their, their, their guy, their establishment Rhino guy in.
0: So one of the things that um, frustrated me also during this, this time was that um, a lot of the, the folks out there kind of doing what I'm doing, whether it's the new media or the established sort of uh, legacy media, whether it's radio, television, That sort of thing. Um, A lot of pushback, a lot of cover being provided for the establishment, uh, and a lot of pushback against potential uh, interlopers. Um, When Charlie Pierce decided to throw his hat in the ring, one of the things that I suspected, and this will remain to be seen, but so far he's not proving me wrong, is that he was the establishment's pick for cover for Dunleavy. That uh, they knew Dunleavy was going to have a hard time getting uh, getting picked, but that, that Mayor Charlie would be a good runner-up that could uh, siphon off votes from any other challengers and that it would solidify and, and ensure Dunleavy a, a, a second term. And uh, just after the primaries, uh, Mayor Charlie made a, a statement, rank red, he didn't say vote for me. He didn't say okay now the fight's really on. He didn't go out there and beat a drum for his campaign. He said rank red, and I thought that that was that was very interesting. And and um, you know I asked Charlie a year before his announcement if he was going to consider because I really I really appreciated the position that Charlie took by when he as mayor said you know well the peninsula is open for business and he could have probably exerted some executive uh, mandates of his own for the peninsula on businesses. Um, But he didn't. And um, he told me at that time, no, I have no intention to run for office. I wouldn't do that. It's not in the cards. It's not what I'm going to do. And then uh, fast forwarding about, I think it was a month or two before his actual announcement, I asked him again, are you considering running yet? And he said, I would have to receive a whole bunch of information first. Before I'd consider it. So, at some point, um, we're going to see if Charlie Pierce is going to step up to the plate and actually run a race that's competitive against Dunleavy. Um, So far, I've not heard him say anything that he could not walk backwards out of if he needed to, if it became unpopular at some point. He's already promised not to make promises. But my request here to Charlie. Is to step up and start making promises. I do not want to see a second term for Dunleavy. I would I would much rather see Charlie Pierce in office over Dunleavy. But I'd like to start hearing some stronger uh, positions from him now. And maybe maybe he's been strategic in his statements up to this point. But um, do you have any read on on the general elections and uh, any opinions? Or I, I I'm not asking for endorsements here uh, for any particular candidate, but.
1: I, I don't. I, I I honestly don't know what's going to happen at the state level and at the national level. Uh, six months ago, it looked like we were going to get a red red wave elected and retake Congress. But I don't know what's happened in the last two months. But the polls are showing it's tightening up, and Biden could keep keep control. And if he does, we're done.
0: I was surprised by the by the uh, returns on Kelly Shabaka and uh, Sarah, er, um, uh, Lisa Murkowski's race. It's very, very close right now, yep. and, and uh, I'm, I'm very concerned about that. And the problem is, with the ranked choice, Lisa will
1: be the second choice for a lot of people. Which will put her in the front. With, yeah, she'll get the Democrats. If, if people see it's going to be a two-way race, then the Democrats will all fall in behind Lisa.
0: Now, I had a, a close friend of mine that I, I asked him, you know, the next day, uh, did, you, did you get out and vote? And he's like, oh, shoot, that was yesterday? And he said, uh, well, it was the first day of school and I had to get all my kids in school and we were running around all day and I had business stuff going on and I didn't didn't do it. Folks, you got to put this in your calendar. The general elections, you've got to make it a priority and not just a priority for yourself, but I would encourage you, as Dave said, reach out to those five people around you and encourage them to vote even offer to drive them you know have in a have have a uh, have a voting day um, a social event you know come to Ammo Can coffee sit down and have a coffee together afterwards or beforehand or go to another establishment that's your favorite watering hole or or a place to hang out make it a this has to be a community effort and we have to become community again and I think that one of the biggest downfalls in our society is we become so fractured that we don't have the style, even the, the kind of community I enjoyed as a kid growing up. I'm only 45 years old. But that's what the Karl Marx, Joe Biden plan is, is to divide us.
1: That's, that's how they get us. But well, I, I think the thing to do, we've got to list all the things that Joe Biden has done and then bring it down to the, the state level. Um, Joe Biden is against free speech. He's for censorship. He's for big government, for more control, He's on the wrong side of the vaccine issue, he, you, you know. You go th- you go through the whole list of what he's doing: destroying the economy, um, destroying the dollar, all of those things. Well, none of us are for those things that he's doing. Yet he's doing them because we don't pay attention. And uh, you know, you, you you bring it down to the state level. Well, Lisa is a big supporter of Joe Biden. Doesn't that speak volumes of where she is on those issues that we disagree with? We've got to. Take the personality out of this and talk about the issues and where will this person stand when they're called to vote. Right. And that's how you get your friends and neighbors. Your friends and neighbors don't want this nation to go communist. Joe Biden does. Got to use
0: that word. That's what it is. I think a lot of people don't actually know what communism is. I think that a lot of people have this uh, romantic vision of Che Guevara, you know, riding his motorcycle. There was a movie that came out a couple of years ago about his early life before he became the the, the communist radical he was um, as a public, you know, figure. Um, but communism is, is not that romantic of an idea. What does communism represent to you? What's it look like to you, Dave?
1: Well, I, I think it starts with socialism. And socialism's two big tenets are from each from his own ability to each to his own need and the other is government ownership, of the means and tools of production. So we're we're already socialist as a nation. I mean, we always talk about um, take from those who are productive and give to others. And of course, the the, the charity in of us wants to do that, but it shouldn't be done as an entitlement. It should be done from the heart, helping somebody who needs something. So we're already a socialist nation. So what does communist uh, mean to me? It means the, the next step of supreme power at the, at the uh, federal government level. Um, it means a loss of rights and freedoms. Um, it means a decrease in the quality of life for nearly everybody. Um, is, that, and- is that called equity? <laughs> well, they start with equity but but we always we all know that there's never been a condition of communism and socialism that has created a better quality of life for its citizens than capitalism, a free enterprise, personal responsibility, all of those kinds of things, so yeah, they start with saying it's equity, but it doesn't it it doesn't uh, after they burn through what what a country has done, look at Venezuela, look at Weimar Germany. look at all these places where uh, Nazis and co- and communists have come in and taken over. they've They've taken great nations and destroyed them in the name of equity, but you can't have Nazis and communists uh, in control for any length of time and maintain that because they'll burn through the 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 farms and the The factories and all the the, the things that were built under capitalism, they'll burn through that in five or ten years, and then everybody's down to the lowest common denominator.
0: So, so what does what does private property and uh, small business look like in communism?
1: Well, they don't have private property, and uh, or, or they China they've kind of got this quasi small business because they know that they need that in order to build Because Because straight communism just can't work. So in, in China, they've at least allowed some small ownership of, uh, of communism, of, of, of uh, capitalism. But, it, but it's tightly controlled by t- the party. Tightly controlled, but they know that if there's no incentive to succeed, um, they're not gonna be able to build their nation as fast.
0: So they've got to have a, a taste of communism. Well, of capitalism. I, I want to give people an update on the health of ammo can coffee at this you know, at this juncture because it it pertains, and we're we're arriving at our hour, and uh, Dave's got a, a off. But uh, during the pandemic uh, lockdowns, we were deemed not an essential service, and so under threat of imprisonment and fines. We complied at the level we felt that we had to. We did resist a bit, but ultimately our bottom line was hit so hard that uh, in April of 2020, we were basically bankrupt. And uh, thanks to Suzanne Downing at uh, Must Read Alaska and her campaign with uh, the, the GoFundMe uh, uh, campaign she held And then also the French U family, family uh, um, You know The folks who, who are our landlords They gave us uh, forgiveness On a couple of months of rent And um, we had a lot of grace Extended to us but ultimately The grace brought us back to zero And You can't hold steady at zero For very long before you're back in that Bankruptcy position and so um, The federal government at that point had offered the payment protection program, but because we're primarily a family run business, we were, we didn't have a lot of employees that qualified under the terms that the PPP um, bailout essentially uh, would afford any kind of assistance. And and a lot of those PPP funds were forgiven to folks, but then they rolled out this secondary program called the EIDL. And it was basically a, a disaster loan emergency disaster loan that the small business administration, which is a a department within the federal government, uh, rolled out to small business owners and said, gee, we're sorry that you're suffering. They didn't follow that up by saying, because of the regulations we've artificially imposed on you. Um, but, uh, tell you what, if you would like some assistance, we'll, we'll offer to you, uh, a loan, and it'll be a 30-year loan uh, with a term up to 30 years with a, a fixed interest rate. I think it was 3.5%. Government creates the problem and then comes in with a solution. Oh, a solution that is interest-bearing. <laughs> but it didn't stop there. They, they said that if you borrowed $25,000 or more, that uh, they would put a lien on your business, and they would become the primary. Lien holder, They would jump to the front of line. So if you already had lines of credit and uh, other potential lien holders, they just exempted themselves from the rules of law and said they would become primary. Now, here's the interesting thing that they did on top of that. They said, if as a small business owner, after taking this money and coming under this lien, you wanted to liquidate any of your assets, or acquire any new assets, that you were required to get that permission from the Small Business Administration in writing. What does that sound like to you? Government control. To me, that sounds like communist China. Because in communist China, they allow you to have small business, but ultimately, the government is a part owner in that. And so what they did in a very short period of time was they nationalized a huge number of small businesses. Now, a lot of people are looking at these 87,000 IRS agents that are may or may not be being armed. You know, fact checkers will tell us they're not, but it doesn't explain all the bullets and guns they bought. Um, And they might say, oh, well, they're just going to go after the big corporate guys. The realization we had last week, or actually two weeks ago, I, I sold a piece of property because I did not want to be under that lien any longer, and we paid off our EIDL loan. I owed $36,000 and change. Uh, we found out that they had told us, uh, by the way, you don't have to pay for anything to this uh, this loan for the first year. Then they extended that to two years because they said people are hurting. But what they what, what they didn't include in that statement was, by the way, this is, this is going to be a deferment period where you're going to have compounded interest applied to your business. So if you're a small business owner out there today and you have yet to pay, you're already starting to see letters coming into your inbox saying, get ready to start paying in October, November, and December of this year, go and check your account. And that's a harder thing to do than to to say because they make it very hard for anybody who applied for that loan with their employer identification number, their EIN. And you're going to have a rude awakening to see the amount of money that has been added to what you owe the federal government. So when there's 87,000 new IRS agents and they're looking for something to do, you better believe That what did they say? They said uh, seventy-eight to ninety percent of the two hundred billion dollar the billion dollars they expect to take in is coming from the small business owner.
1: And and one of the requirements for those eighty-seven thousand new employees is that they be prepared to uh, wear guns. Right. What 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 does a IRS agent need? That you don't need eighty-seven thousand gun packing. Agents out there.
0: Well, I would imagine if the IRS showed up at a huge number of non or of uh, small businesses making two hundred thousand dollars or less, who have already been on hard, hard, desperate times the last couple of years, and they showed up and they said, "By the way, Mister Jones, we are going to seize, we're going to exercise our lien on your business, and we're going to sell, we're going to liquidate all your assets, uh, in order to." recover what you owe because you violated the terms of our contract or for whatever reason, you can't pay fully today uh, that they're going to be met with some hostility. I wouldn't want to be that IRS agent, but it's, it's like you can see what they're preparing to do. And we talked about a bloodless revolution and um, the thing about bloodless revolutions is, is they require the populace to stay asleep. But when they start knocking on doors and taking people's livelihoods, people are going to wake up. Hopefully it's not too late. You have a chance to wake up now. So we are, uh, we are entering the final phases of this uh, midterm election. Please wake up. Do your research. Talk to your friends. We need you to mobilize so that we don't end up with a bloody revolution or response to this hostile takeover of our culture. Uh, Any final comments before we close today?
1: Uh, I just say that, uh, Jason, you're right. We've got to mobilize our people to uh, just just speak the truth of what what the Biden administration is doing and why we can't vote for people who are going to support that kind of stuff. And if we fail to do our work at the end of this year, um, there's going to probably be secessions and, and red
0: states and blue states separating. That's the only other answer. You can see the migration happening now. People are moving to Texas, they're moving to Florida, they're moving to Tennessee, they're moving to the Dakotas. The rats are starting to jump ship and everybody else is swimming for safe harbor. We have to pull together. We have to be unified in our mind. We have to save liberty. It's time to activate, it's time to mobilize. The enemy is at the gates and at the walls. You cannot afford to stay asleep. This has been the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. We hope that you join us again next week. We're going to have another awesome guest. We want to thank Dave Cuddy for showing up today. And uh, keep your powder dry. We'll talk to you on the flip side.